0: Uh, we went to Kentucky to see family. Uh, I think we're up. Uh, what my lesson is if we talk about going to Kentucky to see family over Christmas this year, just remind me. Uh, we had stomach issues on the way. So we experienced uh, a diarrhea. Uh, you're talking a 1,200 mile trip with six people. Uh, then we had um, a broken arm while we were in Kentucky. Avery can tell you that story. We had infectious disease scares while we were in Kentucky. I bought new tires. We had a flat tire while we were in Kentucky. I bought new tires, and a week later I had a flat tire while we were in Kentucky. We had the situations that happened here with with Elta and, and with Rick while we were in Kentucky. Kentucky, I mean, it just got to the point where we were wondering, you know, here we are. Uh, the the intent was to rest and relax, and it was great to see everyone and experience family. We'll just say that. I mean, it was a good trip on that end of things, but boy, it was interesting. Um, Pastor Terry last week preached. Uh, I talked to her, and she said she preached on kingdom investment. She talked about the book of Malachi and just how we need to be investing in, in ourselves. And it was compelling to me because there was a lesson, and I'll get to that lesson through all of what happened that God was speaking to me. And so when she told me what she shared, I thought it was just a great platform or it was a great basis for me on over the next few weeks. I want to look at some some kingdom investments that you and I can look into. Second Timothy or sorry, first Timothy chapter four Still not working. Why don't you do that? 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. I can read it because I have it on my iPad and it will get up there eventually. It says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Kingdom Investments. These are areas where we are training ourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That's why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. I think you're going to have to just keep up with me today, Irene. Just like was. Um anyway, that, that scripture that's right there, it says, and I've got it underlined, train yourself to be godly. And as I was thinking about these verses, as I was thinking about kingdom investments or the way that, that we invest in ourselves, you know, I recognize that a lot of times there's these normal investments that we all know. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've got spiritual disciplines, so pastor's going to teach on prayer, he's going to teach on worship, he's going to teach on study, he's going to teach on stewardship i mean we got these normal ones that we've heard time and time again while i was in kentucky i've got a cousin his name's joe joe's a few years younger than me but he was a he is a very successful and intelligent man he's currently retired because he sold the business that he started and he made enough to retire so he's probably in his 30s retired And so we had this get-together, and he was talking to me, and he said, Hey, Steve, have you ever considered cryptocurrency? Now, Brent had conversations with me about cryptocurrency before. But I want to tell you this, I don't understand the investment. And because I don't understand the investment, I don't engage in it at all. And so he proceeds to ask me, not only have I invested in it, but he tells me about his newest endeavor. And you know what his newest endeavor is? He's mining Bitcoin. Now, again, you want to talk about something that makes no sense to me. How do you mine Bitcoin? Well, he spent 20 to 30 minutes trying to explain to me the process of mining Bitcoin. He told me, currently, I think it was six or eight computers he's got in his house that are mining Bitcoin. His electricity bill has doubled because these are gaming computers that require a lot of energy. He's got alarms on them that connect to his phone that tell him when the computers are down. Because if the computers are down, they're not mining and he can't make. He said they were together for a family Christmas and his alarm went off. So he went home to get his computers back online. And he's telling me about this. And I mean, really, what I came away with, and maybe this is a terrible understanding, so you do your own research if you're interested in mining Bitcoin. It seems like a lottery. You're just trying to generate the right number, and then you get a coin. And so you get as many computers as you've got, and They're all generating numbers. And if you get the right number, it's like a lottery. You get this, this Bitcoin. And he's involved in a bunch of... Anyway, all that said to say, he was so passionate about Bitcoin. We hadn't seen each other in... Probably a few years at least. And the conversation was dominated by this investment. It's interesting because we know about investments like the stock market and we know about real estate and and we know about uh, precious metals, those kind of things. Those kind of things we comprehend. But when it comes to the investments that, that don't make sense, we just stay away from them. And spiritually, I think it's the same thing that we face. There's investments that we've all heard about. There's investments that we say, "Yeah, that seems safe. I get it. I'm gonna engage in that. <laughs> I gotta study. I gotta pray. <laughs> I gotta worship. I gotta be a good steward." We we get those and we engage in those. And my goal over the next few weeks is to look at some some kingdom investments that that may be a little bit less usual. They may be ones we've heard of, they may be ones that we've seen other people talk about it, but we've just never really felt comfortable engaging in. They just, you know, I hear it, I understand, you say there's these things and you get money and it's growing great, but I just don't feel comfortable and we never engage in that. My goal is to provide just some ideas for investments in ourselves that we can engage in over the next here, let's just say of next lifetime, this lifetime, whatever it is, I mean, that they can become a part of us. Because we're investing in ourselves spiritually to reap the harvest that God has, to be who He's created us to be. I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you this morning for this opportunity. I thank you for what you've already done in this place and what you intend you to intend to continue to do. Then I ask for your anointing upon us. As we look at your word today, speak to our hearts, help us to recognize the value of the investment. God, for the distractions, for the things that can keep us from hearing, I pray that you would move. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves unto you for every word that is spoken and every word that is heard in this place, that they would be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I mentioned my trip to Kentucky and the discipline that God was speaking to me. Now, um, before I left for Kentucky this year, or, yeah, this year, um, our network, that's the Assemblies of God within Nebraska, they'd given me a grant to take what they called was a sabbatical. And so we were supposed to take some time for our family away, and they said at least two weeks, hopefully, from the church, and just just go and, and take time away. And they gave us money to be able to do that. Well, Pastor Steve didn't plan very well, and so I ran out of time. So I called and asked if I could have permission to use it for my Christmas trip. You know, I mean, I can justify this. I can make it out. To be sabbatical. So the joke that was running the whole time, the diarrhea and the vomiting and and the other things, the broken arms and the flat tires, was this is sabbatical. I mean, let's talk about some sabbatical right now. Some rest and, and relaxation. And so today, I want to look at the kingdom discipline of Sabbath rest. Because I don't think we do very well with that discipline. When we were driving home, I I asked Tam, I said, hey, Tam, will you just Google um, the Bible? You know, you can do that. I just type in how many times does it say rest in the Bible and just start reading me verses on rest. And she would read verses and every once in a while I'd say, hey, stop and pull that one up in the chapter on your Bible and and read me the context of that verse. And so she read me some verses and and I want to read them in, in Hebrews chapter four. Maybe I need a battery. Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 1 it says, therefore, and it's interesting, there's going to be 13 verses that I read, and I think the word rest happens 11 times in these 13 verses. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, on the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Now, when I read these verses, or when Tam read these verses as we were driving somewhere in Missouri, I believe, uh, what my mind started to ask me initially was. What is he talking about when it comes to rest? I mean, we see rest 11 times, I said, in these passages. Actually, in Hebrews chapter 3, it begins some of this discussion on rest. And honestly, when Tam started reading it, I thought this was all talking about eternal rest. Like that's the rest that it seems. It's this this long-term rest that we're promised as children of God. But as I began to study this chapter, because I felt like if it's happening this many times in a chapter, there's probably something for me to learn when it comes to rest. I began to realize that the author of Hebrews wasn't just talking about one aspect of rest. He wasn't just talking about eternal rest that we get when we die. He was talking about the history of rest. I mean, he takes us back to the story of creation. What? what happened? On the seventh day, God rested. Not only does he take us back to the story of creation, but a lot of this that's happening in, in Hebrews 3 and 4 is really based on the practice of Sabbath with, the, with Israel. And I, especially when they were coming out of Egypt and going uh, into the promised land, did they practice Sabbath. So not only was it about the creation of rest, But it was about the history of rest. But then, in the midst of this chapter, because I got the fact of future and I got the fact of past, I started to see that there was rest that was promised or spoken about for today. So sometimes we do communion in church and and what we often say is it looks back, it looks ahead, and it looks to today. And I think that same principle is being fulfilled in the book of Hebrews when it comes to rest. Like there is something that was, there's something that we need to learn about the history. There's something that is to come that we need to hold on to, that we have eternal rest. But there's something that is ours for today. And that something that is ours for today is what I believe, this is Pastor Steve, and you may say I'm not there, I believe the majority of us haven't trained ourselves for Sabbath that is ours for today. God's smart. Anyone want to argue with me on that? God knows we need rest. Now the word Sabbath in the Old Testament, when you look at it, it's from a word that means to cease. Now the early church taught us, or not even the early church, but, but the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees taught us that, that Sabbath wasn't simply ceasing, Right? They were good at not working, but they weren't good at Sabbath. They were good at not doing, but they weren't good at at engaging in what God needed. See, we're ceasing in order to be filled. We're positioning ourselves in order to experience what God needs us to have. Hebrews chapter 4, Sabbath for today. These verses. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Who enters that rest? It's we who have believed. To me, that seems like it's something we're entering today. Just as God had said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Verse 6 and 7, actually just verse 6. I guess I got a little bit of 7 there. I didn't need to. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had gone to the good news proclaimed to them, did not go in because of their disobedience. In verse 9 through 11, this is where the principle, the discipline of Sabbath really is illustrated. There remains remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There is a Sabbath rest for you and I now. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did His. We all need to rest, to rest from our works, just as God did His. Let us therefore do what? Kingdom investments, spiritual discipline. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I don't think we do this very well. Who's intentional about rest? I just sit in my recliner and fall asleep. Right, Joe? I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do anything. You know, I mean, I had this thought process. If I go to Kentucky, I can rest. My kids will be entertained. They've got cousins the same age as them. They can all play and be chaotic. I don't have to worry about them. All of a sudden, I'm going to have rest. Life's going to stop. I want to tell you, the world we live in, it is impossible without intentionality to rest, to cease in the presence of the Lord. We've got too much that goes on. We've got too many things that are happening. We live in a society where we can access anything at any time. And most of us, when we enter rest, we start by doing our devotions on our phone, and we end up Googling something else, and we don't experience the rest of God. And then our phone rings, and we answer it. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, if we're not intentional about the Sabbath rest that is ours, if we're not intentional about that space that we need to have, we will not find rest. My lesson from Kentucky... I'm not good at Sabbath. That's my lesson. That's what I said I've learned. I'm not good at Sabbath for me. I told my wife, I'm good at Sabbath. We were sharing in Sunday school. I'm good at Sabbath, seeking God's presence for the church, but I'm not very good at Sabbath, seeking God's presence for myself. And if I don't make every effort to enter that rest, I'm not going to be who God needs me to be. Matthew chapter 11, we've heard this verse. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will do what? God wants to give you rest. Not just a a future rest, but a rest that is yours today. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn From me, For I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Man, it's right there. I need to make every effort to come to him when I'm wearied and burdened, when I know I need rest because he promises me that when I take his yoke upon myself, when I cease from worrying about all those things that are, when I let myself stop for a moment, that's what we don't let stop. We can physically stop. We can sit there and not do anything. But I don't mentally stop very well. I don't cease my thoughts very well. Even in worship today. You know what? I'm pastor, so I'm thinking about church. I'm thinking about what's going on. I'm preaching on Sabbath and finding rest in Him. And I'm still thinking about the details. And I'm still thinking about the other things. And, I, and the Lord says to me, are you going to practice Sabbath for a moment? Might be wise before you preach on it. We need to stop in his presence. That doesn't mean the problems go away, it doesn't mean the issues still aren't happening. But I need to say to myself be still. Like self, just be still. And know that he's God. It's not about how Elta's going to get home or, or what Mary's feeling or, 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 or how I'm going to pay this bill or, or what's been happening. But sometime I've just got to be still and look at who God is. That's what Sabbath is. It's being still in his presence and letting us show him who he is. Man, we're quick. We're still and we tell God what we need him to do. You know what I mean? Sabbath isn't your prayer time. Not that that doesn't come up. We're still and we're telling God about our problems. God wants you and I to have rest. Ezekiel chapter. Why is that one there? I'm ahead of myself. There we go. I'll come back to that. Mark chapter 2 says, He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. God knows you and I need this rest. This rest that brings what? The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. When I practice Sabbath, I recognize the strong tower that God is. And it's not about the enemies that are outside. It's about the reality that I'm safe in His presence. It's not about the turmoil or the troubles. It's about the fact that my God is who He says He is, that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that I can be in His presence and know that I'm safe no matter what enemies are surrounding us because He is. He says, cast your burden, your cares upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's the ceasing when I can cast my burdens. That's just throwing them at him. That's not saying fix them even, right? It just says, cast them on the Lord, and he will sustain you. I gotta go back now. Also, I gave them Sabbaths as a sign between us that they would know that I'm the Lord and made them holy. Take my yoke upon you. And you'll know. There's something to Sabbath when I spend time with the Lord. And then I begin to know Him. What does He say? I'll say to some on the last day, they'll say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all these great things? And He will say, What? Depart from me, why? Because I never knew you. We can know God through Sabbath. We can know God by spending time with Him. Intentional, authentic time with Him. He made Sabbath so we could know Him. God recognized life would be busy. We would have problems. We would have stresses and anxieties. And he says, I know that that man can become consumed with all these things. He knew me from the very beginning of creation. He knew that my brain wouldn't shut off very well. He said, so I'm going to set a practice and I'm going to demonstrate that practice even in creation that you need for your well-being. It's an investment not just in, in, in the God thing. It's an investment in yourself. In Psalm 62, it says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God, because my hope comes from Him. Truly, He's my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and honor depend on God. He's my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. I am. Need refuge. I need a strong tower. I need I need a place where I can go and know that I'm secure. Know that no matter what, God is with me. He says, "Come to me," because this is the psalmist. My soul finds rest in God. I have hope when I'm with Him. He's my rock. He's my salvation. I will not be. Shaken, that's an investment in ourselves. Come to me, all who are wearied and burdened. He said, we have to make every effort to find rest. You and I need to position ourselves for Sabbath. For rest in God. If we don't position ourselves, I believe if you're not intentional about Sabbath, you're not going to find it. You'll find rest. You'll sleep well. (laughs) But you won't have Sabbath. You won't get to know the God who was, who is, and is to come. The one who is the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The one that was willing to spend time with you in, your, in, in those moments you needed Him. You won't get to know the fullness of His love and what it means to you. The reality of the love that was demonstrated to you. I'm the bread of life. Right? He wants to sustain you. Invest in yourself. I got a quote. I got to read. You guys can come up here. I did my devotion yesterday and I had to go back and listen to it so I could write this quote down. It was that good. You might disagree, but it's good. It says, Without effective Sabbath, you will not be an effective disciple. I'm going to say it again. It it seems a little bit um, bold, but I promise you, without effective Sabbath, you will not be an effective disciple. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to be able to reiterate the Paul. Paul's words where he said I've run the race that was set before me and he finished his race why because he understood Sabbath I need to learn effective Sabbath so I can be an effective disciple if my Sabbath is only this is Pastor Steve right now if I don't learn to change things and my Sabbath is only about the church eventually I'm not going to have enough it's not going to work If your Sabbath is only about someone else and and not about yourself, you won't continue. We need to find Sabbath. That's not just about the time or day. It's not just about not doing anything. It's about what God wants for you, what he has for you, what you'll experience, what you'll learn, what you'll come to know because of spending time with him. How humbling that God wants you to set aside time To be with him. There's a lot to learn. He's a pretty complicated guy. I don't know if I can call him a guy. God, how about that? My finite mind can't understand fully the infinite God, but I catch glimpses of who he is when I spend time with him and I learn more and more and I know more and more so that when the troubles come, when the trials come, I can run more effectively. Kingdom investments. Sabbath is something you can invest in yourself so that you can see fruit in the kingdom of God. Who knows what God intends for your life? But we limit it because we're not nourished in Him. Practice the discipline of Sabbath. You know that conversation with my cousin. I think if he could have got me lined up to buy a gaming computer and hooked up with the website or the group that he was involved in, he'd have had me set up with that investment before we left that party he believed in it that much. My heart this morning is that when you leave here, that you press into, that you discover, you know what, I'm not going to engage in it until I learn about it myself. I don't expect you to engage in Sabbath until you discover it for yourself. My encouragement today is book, seek, find. I promise it's a good investment that will reap a kingdom harvest in your life. I promise you will get a return on the time that you spend with Him. But you have to take it and do it. And Sabbath in your life will look different than Sabbath in my life. The way I rest in His presence will look different than the way you rest in His presence. But no, 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 since the very creation of it all, God knew you and I would need His presence. Presence It's a good investment Do your research Decide what you'll spend And watch What God does Amen The Lord bless you and keep you May he make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you see and know. May you learn and discover the fullness of Sabbath in your life. Amen. Be blessed. I'm going to have them sing this chorus again. Uh, you're, you're dismissed or you can stay and, and just enjoy the presence of God for a while If you have a need this morning I'll be here, I'll pray with you If you'd like for someone to pray with you If not, be blessed and have a great week